Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 135. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of Lendit. Today's episode is sponsored by LendIt USA 2018, the world's leading event in financial services innovation. It's going to be happening April 9th through 11th, 2018 at Moscone West in San Francisco. We're going to be covering blockchain, digital banking, and of course, online lending, as well as other areas of fintech. There'll be over 5,000 attendees, over 250 sponsors, and registration is now open. Just go to lendit.com USA to register. Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome Ohad Summit. He is the CEO and co-founder of True Accord. Now, they're an interesting company, True Accord. They're in the debt collection space, but they are very different to the traditional debt collectors that we all know. They have a different approach that's steeped in technology and machine learning, and we go into that in some depth. They also don't consider themselves real debt collectors. They're more about developing a relationship with the customer, and it's it's a unique approach that I think, and all the time I've been in this industry, I haven't seen anyone anyone's approach quite like a True Accords. So we dig into that. We talk about how they actually go about communicating with the customer, what they do differently. We talk about compliance because this is an area that really you have to have all your ducks in a row where that's concerned. We talk about the different target markets that they're going after. And of course, we talk about where OHUD is going to be taking this company. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, OHUD. Uh, Thank you for having me. Really excited to do this. Okay. So let's just get started by giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. It sounds like you've been in fintech since before the term fintech existed. And so uh, why don't you just tell us what you've done before you actually started True Accord? Yeah, sure. Um, I've been in machine learning for financial services for almost 13 years now. In fact, started as uh, one of the early employees in a company called Fraud Sciences. We did machine learning for fraud prevention and e-commerce before it was um, a big deal. Uh, That was in 2005. I was their head of analytics. And in 2008, we got acquired by PayPal. So I had the Mm -hmm. opportunity to work for PayPal for a few years. And then in 2010, I left PayPal and started working on uh, two projects uh, that became companies. One of them is Signified, one of the leaders in uh, machine learning for fraud prevention e-commerce now, kind of a fraud senses 2.0. You know, I've been part of the early, early, early days, and the team has taken it so far, so much further than I would have. Uh, but I was there in the, in the first few days, in the first few months. And um, the other one was called an Analyzed. We uh, basically were involved in machine learning for consumer credit underwriting. Huh. And again, a little bit before lending became a big deal, and that one got acquired by Klarna, a European payments company, in 2011. I was Klarna's chief risk officer for almost two years. Uh, we were doing about uh, two and a half billion dollars a year in payment volume, buy now, pay later. And um, that was a great experience, a great hyper growth experience. Uh, I learned a lot there. And uh, 2013, early 2013, I left Klarna and started working on a few projects. And the one that matured was to record that we raised money for in 2013 and launched in 2014. Okay, so then let's just go back to the, that time period and want to sort of 
you know, did you like obviously if you're chief risk officer at Klarna? I mean, we know Klarna pretty well. They have in Europe, they're very, very big. Where you know you you can it's, it's online sort of payment plans for you know for online purchases. And was that where you first saw this kind of the behaviour that you felt like led to true accord as far as the the fact that debt collection could be done a lot better? Or what was what was the seed that started true accord? Yeah, I, I always tell the story that uh, I got a uh, a call from a rude debt collector, which is true. I actually I owed about one hundred fifty dollars on a on a retail credit card that I forgot to pay, and I got a call, and it's not that that person was uh, a criminal or anything, but it was just not a good experience. And I, I started thinking about what it was like for people who can't afford to pay, who are hounded by five or six different debt collectors. But there was also the business experience. Absolutely looking at what we did at Klarna, we were so sophisticated in customer acquisition, so sophisticated in underwriting. And in collections, not, not to say that the people there are, haven't been or are not sophisticated now, but there was, we, we still stuck to the call center model. And I looked around at other financial institutions and even upstarts in the lending business and everybody seemed to have stuck to the same call center and letter model for debt collection and it didn't make sense uh, it felt like a type of problem that i knew how to solve it in terms of the machine learning approach it's very similar in my perspective to fraud prevention and uh, credit underwriting it felt like an opportunity to do some social good because the formal numbers are 77 million people a year in the U.S. are subject to some type of debt collection activity, and that's a lot of people, and mm-hmm. that's not a, not, not a great experience. And it also felt like a market that was making a lot of money, you know, $15 billion a year, more or less in revenue, highly fragmented with a bunch of mom-and-pop shops, and not a lot of introduction of technology. It felt like it was it was looking for innovation. It was looking for new technology and nobody really wanted to touch on it because of how regulated it was. So as an early team, we felt like one, we understood the machine learning and the product aspect that needs to be brought to this market. We saw a huge business opportunity. We weren't afraid of diving deep into the regulatory aspect and the compliance aspect of the business. We felt very well positioned to to do something meaningful in the debt collection market and turn it from this very transactional, I'm going to call you as much as I can until you pick up and get you to call to pay to a more relationship driven approach that's email first or digital first, that's personalized, that responds to consumer preference and behavior. And that's what we did. Okay. So then would you say, like, if you look at the debt collection industry today, it's still pretty much the same as it was, you know, 10, 20 years ago? Do you feel like there has there been, I mean, you've now been doing this business, what, four, four years or so. Do you feel like there's been a, a shift in the last four years or is it still pretty much the same as it always has been? There's definitely a shift, but the shift is not in introducing new technology. The shift is in how the industry responded to uh, the CFPB, to new rules, how the industry, uh, at least the parts in it that works with credit card issuers, uh, responded to additional requirements from banks uh, based on the OCC's requirements for vendor management. Uh, there are trends in regulation and, and case law around the debt collection. But in terms of people coming up and saying, hey, we're going to reinvent this market, we're going to step away from the old model, not really, no. 
we are sitting in a very, in a really unique intersection. On one hand, we're really excited about the product and about the technology aspect of the business. On the other hand, we are really willing to dive deep into the regulatory and compliance aspect. And listen, it's very difficult to do. Like replicating what we did is is going to take several years, a lot of money and a lot of effort. So I understand why there hasn't been a lot of movement in uh, in that market. Okay. So then what I'd like to, you know, if you could maybe t- walk us through your approach and how how it's different, how you incorporate machine learning. You know, we all know, you know, it's a pretty simple business in many ways. The, you know, as you say, people, you know, phone you up or they send you a, a letter and uh, what have you. But so how how is your approach different? So let's start with how it works with a traditional collection agency. Mm-hmm. If you if you are sent to a traditional collection agency, the first thing you're going to get probably is a letter that hopefully reaches you. Snail mail, that what we call it in the industry, right? right in the technology right. industry. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it reaches you. It has all the disclosures and everything that you need to know about your debt and everything that compliance requires. And then after that, you start getting phone calls. And in some instances, we're talking about four to six call attempts per day. And the goal of those phone calls is to get you to respond and to get you to uh, be in a phone call, on a call with the, with an agent, which is basically a cold sales call. They get on the phone and they do their best to get you to make a payment for the, the debt that you owe. Mm-hmm. And what the payment options that they offer you uh, are governed by the constraints they get from the creditor and it are also governed by the fact that the agent that you're talking to is commission-based. They have a very low base mm-hmm. and hit their collection goals, then they get a higher, higher salary. And as a result, the experience, even when it's the most compliant, even when the people on the phone are highly experienced, it's not a great experience. It's an experience where it's not uncommon for collectors at the end of the month to be more pushy and more aggressive, even if they do that in the most compliant way. And it's an experience when where you get called, like I said, several times per day, uh, you get phone calls from numbers you don't recognize and they happen and sometimes in not convenient times. It requires you to get on the phone with the UN, which is usually or very, very often embarrassing to discuss your debt situation. People don't like that, don't appreciate uh, being on the phone with another person. It requires a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, in comparison, you could so so this is kind of like a telemarketing campaign. When you think about that, a technology a collection company is like a telemarketing campaign. Call a lot, uh, get people on the phone, get them to, to get them to the sale. Yep. In our case, it's a lot more like a really sophisticated inside sales department. When we get an account, we have an engine that's called Heartbeat. That's our product, and Heartbeat looks at you as a consumer and compares you to one of the millions of consumers we've had in our platform so far. Looks at features that we calculate for you, for your debt, for everything we know about you uh, from the creditor. We don't collect social data information or anything like that. We, We just use the information we get from the creditor. And based on that, it says, well, what, what's the best way to contact this customer? What day, what time, 
uh, what channel, what content they put in front of them. And then it starts with an initial com communication. Usually the first, first communication is an email because we need to get, again, all of these disclosures in to make sure that we are completely compliant. And then based on your behavior, it will decide what the next step needs to be. It tracks everything that you do in response to our communication. Every email you open, every link you click on a text message or an, or an email or a push notification, your browsing pattern on our website, which pages you spent time on, which offers you looked at, did you investigate certain payment options uh, versus others? Did you call in and talk to an agent? What is what was your disposition? What was your what was your emotional state? And it crunches all of that in real time to decide. Well, how do I follow up with this consumer? If they clicked on an email, looked at a couple of payment plans, and then dropped off, maybe I can offer them a more flexible payment plan. If they called in and they said that they're in financial distress and they can't uh, they can't pay for the next few weeks, well, I don't need to email them or try to contact them for a few weeks. And when I come back, I should start with content that talks about their context and what's happening in their lives. So it, can, it taps into hundreds of content items across multiple channels to personalize the experience and talk to the consumer in context. Also, because it's highly automated and scalable, it can offer highly customized payment plans. Uh, so if a consumer wants to pay because they have uh, two, three jobs and, and their paycheck is not uniform across weeks or across months. They want to pay $50 this month and 75 next month and then 30 and then 100. We can do that because our system will administer that in a predictable and a scalable way. Scalable way. So there's this personalized and highly customizable experience. And at the end of the day, if you do call in or in the rare case that we called you and we get you on the line, you talk to a team that's very different in terms of the people we source and the training we give them. They absolutely get all the compliance training, but they don't get commission. Their focus is on customer service and walking you through the process and helping you work with our system. So overall, you get treated like a customer. Mm -hmm. and, and that shows in the way consumers respond to us. We do consumer interviews and people start thinking of themselves as our customers, mm -hmm. which Great, because it's conducive to our overall mission, which is we don't only want to help you with this debt, we want to help you with your overall financial life and how to progress yourself, how to take yourself, how to how to manage your cash flow, how to think about your financial decisions so that you don't end up in debt again, or if you do, you reduce your debt liability. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. So, so where in all of this is it the real fact that you talked about? You know, there's obviously you're tracking everybody, and you see there's millions of people that you you can you can compare these the, these customers to. I mean, is this is this where the machine learning specifically comes in, or is can you explain where that component kind of makes a difference in in what you're doing? The machine learning component. Yes, the machine learning component specifically. Well. What the system tries to do is it tries to it tries to replicate the way a uh, human collector would respond to uh, what the consumer is doing, right? So when I say that the system decides what the next step should be, you know, whether what day or what time should we email a person or should we message a person, what channel should we use, what content should we use from the hundreds of content items we have, this is all done not by 
rules that are put into the system, not by a manual decision. It's done by an actual set of algorithms, an actual ensemble of algorithms that use historical data and consumer behavioral data to decide what the next step should be. Mm -hmm. So when it looks at the specific consumer, it takes in all of the consumer's previous actions, all of the information we have about the debt and about the consumer. It uses a feature vector that we calculate in-house. It uses clustering algorithms to find similar consumers and calculate what is the what is the path, what is the action that's most likely, highest probability to get them to actually move forward and towards a commitment to pay for their debt. And then it chooses that action. So it's it's all data-driven, automated, and doesn't involve people writing in rules to say if this and that. And that's the that's where machine learning plays into it. And having having done this for fraud prevention, having done this for credit underwriting, I knew, and our numbers and our results prove that, that at scale, machines are much better at deciding what the next step should be based on historical data, what the treatment should be, uh, than humans. Humans are good at edge cases, but on a day-to-day basis, humans get tired, they get angry, they get distracted. We suffer multiple biases because we're human. A machine doesn't. Right? When If it needs to crunch 2 million interactions or 100 million interactions to decide what the next step should be and make the best decisions based on data without being distracted or being angry or being emotional, it will do that. And and so machine learning is at the heart of our system because we want to deliver personalized experiences, consistent and personalized experiences at scale to consumers. And that's how we do it. Right. That makes sense. So I wanted to just get a sense. I'd like to know, are you, are you a traditional collection agency insofar as you are taking ownership of the, the debt and um, are you? How, how does the actual model? How, how does your How does your model work? Because I know you've got, you know, um, you 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 talk here about owning the customer. So does that mean you're you're buying the debt, or how does what, what's the relationship you have with with your clients? Yeah, well, we don't we don't really own the customer, but we we create a trusted relationship with the customer. Right. We don't buy the debt. Okay. Uh, in fact, um, it, it's a common misconception. There's debt buyers and then there, there's debt collectors. Right. Um, companies that buy the debt sometimes do their own collections, but many times just turn around and give it to a servicer, to a debt collection servicer. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are. We service the debt. We don't buy it. If a company like, uh, say, um, Yelp or... You know, we don't have a lot of clients that are public about using us, but one of some of the major banks, of course, are using us. If they need help with debt collection, if they use a third party or first party debt collection company, which means someone that collects under their own brand or someone that collects under the bank's brand, uh, we're one of those options. We're a fully licensed collection agency. We connect like a collection agency. We, c- we compete head to head against traditional players right. and we, we win and we get more business. Yeah. So on that, do you have 
do you have any examples you can share? Because I imagine this is this is quite measurable. Because you know, I mean, you can you can certainly measure the dollars that have that have come in. You can probably also measure the the satisfaction of, of the people who are who are being you know uh, who are being chased by True Accord as opposed to a traditional collection agency. So, do you have any um, examples of stories you can say like, oh, you know, we went in here and you know, I'm imagine companies don't just give you their entire book. They will say, right. Here's you know ten percent of our loan book go go or, or of our collections book go and uh, work on that and see what happens. Is that can you tell us sort of how you how you've done in those kinds of head to head tests? Yes. So it's hard to name specific clients. Debt collection is still a very sensitive sure. area. Yeah. But usually we come in, uh, we get say five to ten percent of the volume, and we are we're measured on at the end of the day at the end of the place and period, because we don't, we don't get that relationship with the customer for a very long time. It can be 90 days, it can be 180 days. At the end of the period, they look at us versus our competition and they look at how much we collected, what percentage of dollars that we collect of the dollars that they gave us uh, versus the competition. And usually we are 50% better. And at times at edge cases, we could be as high as five times better than the competition. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, because consumers choose to pay with us because of the treatment and because of the flexible payment options. Right. So then are you, are you, you mentioned Yelp, you've mentioned banks. I mean, if you're on your website, you also have LendUp. We, we've had Sasha on the show here before. What verticals are you, are you most focused on? We are focused on credit cards and consumer lending. Okay. So unsecure consumer lending. Uh, we're probably going to expand to additional markets this year just based on the traction that we're seeing, but that's where we've had our uh, traction historically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then can you give us some sense of sort of the scale you're at today? I mean, how many people, I mean, I know you're probably, probably not going to share me revenue numbers, but you know, just give me some sense of the, uh, of the scale. Yeah. So we are about 80 people. We have uh, more than 2 million consumers of Passport Platform, almost $2 billion of debt mm-hmm. that we've been uh, working on with about uh, 80 clients ranging from very large banks and uh, credit card issuers to quite small e-commerce shops. And yeah, we're, we're a growth stage company, so post-Series B, so whatever that means in terms of revenue and growth. Right, right. Okay. Okay, so then, and you've talked about this a, a, a bit, and I know that um, you know we've got the, like the Fair Debt Collections Act or whatever it is. Um, you yep. know, you, you've got you, compliance is you've got to you've got to cross all you know cross your t's and dot your i's or whatever. It, it's really important to not get that wrong. Um, yep. Tell us about your approach to compliance. Are you are you? I mean, is this something you just got to? You've got to approach in the in, in a sort of a brute force fashion where you've just got to have all of the all the all the different pieces in place. Or is there, can you apply technology to make it more efficient? I mean, how is how do you how are you approaching it? There is no no cutting corners in compliance. <laughs> right. Not at all. There is. We are regulated on a state level, on a federal level. Our clients are very demanding in their audits and their compliance oversight, which they should be. Mm-hmm. So no cutting corners. We have a quite large for the size of company that we are legal and audit department. We have multiple 
outside counsel. We have a robust compliance program. There's just no, no, no cutting corners. Uh, this is no joke. This is one of the most important features of our product. The, fe- the product needs to be compliant. Otherwise, nobody cares about returns mm-hmm. and, and user experience. And that's the most important thing, and that we're committed to that. In terms of, of introducing technology, well, you know, we're more open to using vendors to, to manage compliance risk, I guess, than, than building things in-house. We don't need to have this. We can use the servers in AWS instead of having them in a, in a server rack in our office, which is still the standard for a lot of folks in the industry. Mm-hmm. I can say that because it's code-controlled compliance, because of the way our system is handled, it's easier to reduce compliance risk. Because all of our content is pre-written, it's easier to approve it in advance and say, I'm comfortable with this content. I'm comfortable with what you're telling the consumer instead of having millions of calls a month and hoping that uh, nobody says anything wrong on on the phone. So that's one. The second thing is that if there is a change in regulation or some specific quirk that a client needs, uh, they have some requirement in some state or what have you, it's much easier to to code something into the system than to try and retrain a hundred or a thousand agents to remember that when they talk to consumers on the phone. Mm -hmm. In that regard, having the technology infrastructure is very helpful. So does that mean you don't you don't have people who call, you're doing everything electronically? No, we do have a small call center. You do, okay. Yeah, but it is really tiny. It's uh, less than 20 people, whereas if we were a traditional collection agency, we would have hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. The majority of what they handle is inbound communication, people who call in and want to talk to someone. So right. it's more of a customer care angle. When we call, if we call someone, we try to call once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really infrequent that right. we call. Right, right. Okay. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the CFPB. And you, uh, you recently you know, joined their Consumer Advisory Board. Um, yep. Can you tell us a little bit about what that does and uh, why you joined it? Well, you know, with the caveat of leadership changes in the CFPB, and I don't really know. <laughs> of course. I'm as uninformed as any of any of the listeners uh, is about that. Look, I believe in engaging with your regulator early and often. We've been in touch with the CFPB since 2013. We believe in our mission. We believe that everything we do is 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 kosher, that we don't need any specific, any carve-outs to do what we do. So it was an easy decision to engage with the regulator in early on, especially because from 2013, there was an active rulemaking process for the debt collection market, and we wanted to make sure that technology is well represented. Mm-hmm. And for me, getting on the Consumer Advisory Board is a continuation of that. One, debt collection needs to be represented. Two, the technology sector needs to be represented. Three, I've been in, again, in financial services for more than a decade. So obviously I have strong opinions about uh, myriad of topics and, and issues in financial services in the, in the U.S. And also that fits into our larger goal at True Accord, where we want to really help people build the financial lives that they deserve. And that means debt collection is just an entry point, right? That means so much more. That means thinking about the underbanked and unbanked. That means about thinking about females and how 
people don't have access to traditional financial services, thinking about nonprofits and how they fit into the picture, thinking about housing situations and how they fit into the picture. All of that makes membership in the Consumer Advisory Board a really interesting place uh, to be able to impact thinking as much as possible. Now, people on the Consumer Advisory Board have no formal decision process. We only advise, we're exposed to some things that are not public, but only for a short period of time. Uh, so you, you can't say that we have uh, more power than anyone else. We don't, but at least we're in the room right. to have the discussion. And I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I wanted to to just talk um, briefly about your your Series B last year. It sounds like late last year, I think it was a $22 million Series B that you closed. And yeah. wanted to sort of talk us through the, the fundraising process and how you know was it was it more difficult than 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 in previous times or or are you finding your ideas getting a, a, an easier reception it's very binary with <laughs> uh with investors because well it, it, it's a polarizing market and a polarizing idea mm-hmm. right it, when you look at our company if your takeaway is, well, these guys are reinventing something, it's really broken, this is why I'm in technology, to reinvent these issues, to solve real problems for people, and I understand that this is a big market, then you get really excited, and getting you on board is easy. I think mm-hmm. Arbor Ventures, specifically uh, Melissa and Velosa Way, they get that, our current investors get that. That's why with every new Round our current investors continue to double down on the company. Mm-hmm. In that sense, it's it's pretty straightforward. On the other hand, there's a if you look at some of the VCs that that have looked into the company, I have had with every round, with every round, I've had similar conversations where people say, "We love you, we love the company, we love the idea, can't invest in debt collection. We don't know how to think about it." And I understand that. I, I, you know, I respectfully disagree. I think that, you know, when somebody, and I've been told that before, a few years ago, somebody said, we like to invest in brands that people like, like Uber. And, you know, I look at, I look at what Uber represents now in terms of the company's reputation. And I'm not sure it's a loved brand in, to the extent that it was a few years ago. Uh-huh. So, I understand where people are coming from. I understand that uh, it's hard to invest in a market that's not hot right now. And I absolutely respect that. And I'm happy that there are investors that get what we're trying to do, that get behind the mission, that are excited about the business. So it's been pretty straightforward for us to uh, to raise money. And I'm happy for that. And I'm very thankful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're almost out of time. And I, I wanted just to to get a little bit, talk a little bit about the future here. You've, you've mentioned a couple, you've mentioned a few minutes ago that that debt collection was really an entry point for your business and there's lots of other things that you want to want to be doing so can you just take us through like what's next is there some is there a new product on your roadmap or or where do you go from here so the way we think about about our mission is you know now we have two million consumers on our platform in several years because we are expanding at the rate that we're expanding. Maybe we have 10, 20 million consumers on our platform. They come back, right? Because there's a, there's a level of recidivism in, in debt. 
and we will see them multiple times. And we ask ourselves, when we have seen almost everyone, when we've seen tens of millions of consumers, what do we want to be for them? And, and the answer is that we don't want to just be the friendliest debt collector around or the most the most flexible debt collector around. We want to actually support them in their journey to get to the financial lives that they aspire to. We want them to help we want to help them build equity. And so if we get forty thousand people who tell us uh, I would pay you if I had a job, then maybe there's a way for us to find a job for these people. And so we're working on an experiment with a partner to help people work from home and pay for their debt that way. And that's actually working very well. Huh. And if people are saying, I have a housing situation, I'm homeless, or I'm, I have a problem, I can't make rent, then maybe there's a nonprofit in their area that can help them with housing. So we're thinking about that. And so on and so forth, even to the very basic uh, when we interview consumers, they say, well, thank you for the debt collection process. I paid my debt. Can you help me rebuild my credit score? Can you help me think about my cash flow? Then maybe it's not us that do that predominantly, but we give access to other really exciting startups that are out there that, that do that type of work. Mm -hmm. And we become a platform to give to give them access. But we have a window into an aspect of the U.S. economy and at some point, international economy that not many companies know how to address. And we have a business model because at the end of the day, we're paid by their creditors. Their creditors turn around and every dollar that we collect, they give us a cut of that. So we don't, we're actually not taking a cent from the consumer. Whatever the consumer pays goes to pay for their debt. We're in a great position where uh, our interests are, at least to some extent, highly aligned with the consumer to help the consumer be in a better financial spot. And that's our long-term goal, thinking about ourselves as that platform that has unique relationships with consumers who want to build equity, who want to build their financial lives and enabling that. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Well, I, I certainly wish you all the best. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Ohad. Thank you very much for having me. This has been great. Okay. We'll see you. See you. It really is fascinating to me that an industry as old as debt collection, and let's face it, debt collection has been around for thousands of years since the first, you know, the first company decided to give out credit to somebody. There have been debt collectors, and you know, there's certainly the industry itself has had a bit of a bad rap, and I think justifiably so with some of their tactics. It's why it's heavily regulated today, and it's just so refreshing to me to to hear an approach that is that has really taken a, a you know a friendly approach but also a highly technological approach to make it a better experience for the customer and that's really what true accord is doing here they're trying to make it so that you're not feeling like someone's hounding you but you realize you have an obligation and they're trying to make this a positive experience rather than a negative one anyway on that note i will sign off i very much appreciate you listening and i will catch you next time bye Today's episode was sponsored by Lend it USA 2018, the world's leading event in financial services innovation. It's happening April 9 through 11, 2018 at Moscone West in San Francisco. It's going to be the largest ever fintech event held in the Bay Area with over 5,000 attendees expected. We'll be covering online lending, blockchain, digital banking, and much more. You can find out more by going to lendit.com slash USA.